Thank you. You may be seated. Could we cut the lights on back there, please? All right. Rusty, get the light. Yeah, thank you, buddy. All right, uh, children, it's time for you to uh, go to Children's Church. Rusty's right back there in the back for you, waiting for you. And uh, we're trusting God to bless y'all. Now it's time together. While they are uh, moving into place and getting all lined up back there, let me remind you of uh, some important things, important information to share with you. Uh, always want to remind you about tonight, uh, our Bible studies tonight. Uh, women's Bible study is in the social hall. Uh, guys, as you know, those of you who've been coming, um, ours is in Upward Bound Sunday School class. Uh, both groups are studying the armor of God. I don't know where the ladies are in their study, but uh, guys, we'll be talking about the shield of faith tonight, the shield of faith. So I hope you'll come six o'clock. Uh, and uh, then of course, we have the things for the children and the youth as well. So uh, just to remind you about tonight, I hope everybody comes and, and uh, comes and just get into the word with us uh, as we study the armor of God. Uh, also, there is uh, down here, no, I didn't see it till today because uh, uh, Kathy and I have been gone most of this week, but uh, Miss Louise Hudson. Now, nobody probably in here knows who that is, but uh, she is, uh, she's the pastor's wife of Paul Hudson, who's already gone on to be with the Lord, and she, on March 11th, will be celebrating her 100th birthday. And uh, it's real personal to me. Let me tell you why. Uh, uh, Reverend Paul Hudson was the pastor of this church when I was born. And then uh, the one who followed him was Reverend Louis Wynn, and he was the pastor of the church when I was born again, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then the next pastor after him, Reverend uh, Ellenberg, was the pastor when I surrendered to the ministry of God's call upon my life. So all of these, are, and then I followed Ellenberg. So it's kind of very personal to me and how all these have made an impact in my life. But this, this lady... Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful lady, godly woman, and uh, it shares how you can send a note or card or something uh, to wish her a happy birthday for her 100 years. So I, I just wanted to really uh, emphasize that. There's a praise here. We reached our goal for Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You read about that. And, uh, of course, our February mission is Shannon's sisters, and, again, you can read about that. Now, uh, in the early service, I was asking, uh, I'm going to repeat that here in this service. Uh, a lot of you, of course, know that um, we have been dealing quite a while with uh, Kathy's health and uh, lung issues. And so this past week down at MUSC, we were to go and, you know, just kind of get the final report, where we are, what's the plan, that type of thing. So just to put it in simple terms, uh, Kathy has been diagnosed with progressive pulmonary fibrosis. And a lot of you know that's the disease that cannot be stopped, but they can and they are going to give her medication that slows the process down. And of course, naturally, we're praying that God will bless and use that medicine in her life, but <laughs> she knows as well as I know and as well as you know that she's always been, she is, and will continue to be in the hands of the Lord our God. Amen? Amen. You know, he has many names. One of his names, of course, is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer. 
And so y'all have been so wonderful to us and uh, I've said it several times, but it's just, we're overwhelmed with your love and your support, uh, the gifts uh, of blessings to help us uh, during things in life. And so I wanna thank you for that and thank you more than anything else for your continual prayers uh, on her behalf. It's good to see her back there and have her with us uh, today. So, hey, hon. <laughs> good to see you. All right. Well, now it's time for us to get into the Word of God. So, if you will take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 6. And what I want to do this morning as we get into God's Word is I want to take uh, an experience of the disciples uh, where they, and you're familiar with the story, most of you are probably familiar with this story, but it's when they uh, encountered a storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And I want to take their literal experience there with a natural type storm, if you want to board it that way, and talk to you about how to find peace in the midst of your storm. Now, again, I'm not talking about necessarily a natural storm. I know a lot of people, you know, when the thunder and lightning literally comes, uh, you're looking for peace. You know, you, you know you, you're not really uh, joyful about having to go through those. But I'm not talking about that kind of storm. You know, I'm talking about the storms of difficulty, uh, being desperate, uh, maybe, maybe brokenhearted, uh, maybe persecution. Maybe you're struggling with doubt uh, because of the storm you're in in life. And I want to talk about how to find peace in the midst of those. I can come from any and all kinds of direction. You know that. We have an adversary, obviously Satan and his kingdom of darkness. He's coming against us. Uh, the world is coming against us. And life itself, we live in a fallen world. And so the reality is we're going to have storms in life. Now, if you're here right now and you're not in a storm, I have advice for you. Just praise God. You know, just give him glory and enjoy that time. When you're in a season where you don't have any storms and, and there's peace in your life, uh, you know, just, just enjoy it and thank God and praise God in the midst of it. But I will remind you what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 27 and in verse one, do not boast about today because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. So we know that even if you're in a time with no storms right now in your life, take a good deep breath, give God thanks, something may be coming around the corner. There may be a storm on the horizon. So how do we, how do we deal with that? How do we find peace in our hearts and in our souls when we're in the midst of a storm in life. Well, let me begin before I actually read. I'm kind of jumping ahead of them up there. Before I actually read this text, let me give you, uh, first of all, uh, what Paul said, what the Lord said to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and in verse 9. Paul, Apostle of the Lord, uh, as you know, God used in, in an incredible way. Uh, and he had storms in life. And he cried out to God in the midst of those storms. And so God's response to him was this. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. He says, my grace is sufficient. His all-sufficient grace. Here's my point. It's the basis of everything else I'm going to be sharing with you. I got five principles I want to share with you to help you find peace 
in the midst of your storm. And the basis of that is that every, listen, as a child of God, have been born again, you've received Christ your Lord, you're part of the family of God. Listen to me carefully. God, you live every day, every hour of every day, every second of every day under the all-sufficient grace of God. Every facet of your life. He doesn't miss anything. He doesn't uh, choose and pick like we do. You know, we kind of take our, our walk with the Lord and we kind of turn it into a smorgasbord and we say, I have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this other, and we kind of ignore some of this other. Listen, he doesn't ignore anything. Every facet of our life as children of God are under the all-sufficient grace of God. Now, having said that, let's look at the text. Let me read the story as it is given to us in the Gospel of John. And then I want to give you five things. So here's what the scripture says. Beginning in verse 16. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into the boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark and Jesus had not yet come. In addition, the sea began getting rough because a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed about 25 or 30 stadia, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Let me stop there just before I read that last verse, just to remind you that, and some of you already know this, but just want to just bring it up for praise to God. There are 365 verses in the word of God that says, fear not, do not be afraid. So God has given us a verse for every day of our life. He says, do not be afraid. It is I, we'll talk about what that means. Do not be afraid. So they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Number one, we live every day under the grace of his providence. Under the grace of God's providence. What do I mean by that? Well, we were reading here in this text, verse 16 and going through the first part of verse 17 that the disciples got into a boat to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side, Capernaum. Now, this wasn't their idea. This is not something to say, hey, let's go for uh, a sail. You know, we have fishermen here. They're, they're serious. They're crafted fishermen, and they knew how to do all of that. And so they, it wasn't something they thought they would do. In fact, when we look in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, if you want to look at that with me in Matthew 14, 22, it says that immediately afterward, he, that's Jesus, compelled the disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. Now, notice that word compelled. In other words, it wasn't even a suggestion. He didn't say, hey, you know, you need a breather. You need a break. We've been, we've been doing this for several days and taking care of 5,000 plus people and you need a break. You need a little time of rest. So why don't you just go out into the water? Just go ahead and sail to the other side. Now, it was not a suggestion. That word compel means strongly instructed them. 
This is what I want you to do. This is my will. So in reality, they were right in the center of the will of God. They obeyed exactly what he told them. They got in that boat and they were sailing to the other side and sailed right into an incredible storm, which could happen at any time on the Sea of Galilee because of where it sits and where the winds come off, uh, the mountains and things of that nature. They found themselves in the middle of the night into this storm, but here's the point. They were in the will of God. Now, let me just share with you that this, this statement, I want to share this with you. I want you to write it down. And that is, the, I don't know who said it, but I love it. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. <laughs> the will of God will never take you. I don't care what storm you end up in. I don't care what storm you're going through right now. Listen, as a child of God, are you listening? Say amen. As a child of God, the will of God will never take you where his grace cannot keep you. Now, what do I mean by providence? Well, providence is everything God is doing every day, whether you see it, whether you feel it, whether you have any inkling doing in your life and through your life. He's working in all, listen, He's working in all the details of your life. This, this, uh, what, what, this storm they were in, he knew it was coming. I, I figure this, if he can walk on water, he knows what the next day's weather is going to be. Do I have a witness on that? <laughs> all right, so none of this caught him by surprise. So here's my point. Because he is constantly working. Now remember, what do we know about God? We know he's omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything, all things at all times. So there's nothing about your storm that he doesn't know. He knew it was coming. He knows every detail of it. And so as a result of that, he is taking care of you. But I want you to listen to this. God was involved in what we call networking before it was ever a word that we use. For whoever knew what, you know what I'm talking about, networking, raise your hand. Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because here's my point I want to get across to you. He, it's not just about you. Whatever storm you're going through right now, it's not just about you, it's about other people that's also in your life. Because he knows the details of their lives and he knows the details of your life. So whatever storm you're going through, he will network it with those who are in your life because if we respond the way we should respond and trust in his faithfulness, as the song said, he promised and he cannot lie, then he uses us to have an impact in their life. That's what's so important. So that, that's why when we're looking for that peace to know that God 
I mean, I'm literally, we're literally in his hands 24-7 under his grace, no part that's not under his grace, and providentially, he is involved in every facet of our life, and those who are in our sphere of influence, which is why one of the reasons, not the only reasons, but one of the reasons why Paul, uh, Peter tells us in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, or chapter 3 and in verse 15, he says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. They see you going through a storm. You're a child of the living God. And they see that you're handling this so differently than everybody else. Why? Because you know you're under the grace, excuse me, of God's providence, God's providence. Lindsay, would you go get me a bottle of water? I'd appreciate that. Now notice the second thing. No longer are we under the grace of God's providence. Listen to me carefully. We're under the grace of his purposes as well. So he's, they're where they are because the Lord had sent them there, so they're in the will of God. But here's what I want you to understand. There are two different kinds of storms. There is what I call correction storms. For instance, Jonah. You know the story of Jonah. You know the story of Jonah and the whale and, and the fact that Jonah was running. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Jonah was, mm, mm. God outdid himself with water. Do I have a witness on that? <laughs> All right. Boy, that feels so much better. Jonah was running away from the will of God. You know the story. You know, God says, Jonah, you're a prophet of mine. I want you to go to Nineveh. I know it's the number one enemy of Israel. I know they're wicked. They're evil beyond your imagination. But I want you to go and preach repentance to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no way. I'm not going there. And so he ran from the will of God and he ran right into what? A storm. Ultimately ran into a storm. What was that storm for? This is one that the Lord brought into his life. It was a correction storm. He needed correction. He needed to have repentance in his own heart and his own life to correct his way to get him back on the path in the center of the will of God for his life. So sometimes we go through that. I've been through those. You know, I've been through correction storms in my life. Some of them just based on the bad choices that I made in life, just being honest with you. Times when I was running from the will of God and God had to get my attention. So there are correction storms. And here's what I want you to see. There are perfecting storms where God is seeking to enlarge us. Listen to me. Enlarge our faith. Enlarge our trust in him and his faithfulness as we were already been seeing in his promises, in his word, in his principles of life. He, and so many times he allows these storms. Jesus knew this storm was coming. But see, the disciples needed to grow. They had just had what we'd call a hallelujah experience. 
Number one, they've been hearing the Son of God unfold the Word of God about the kingdom of God with 5,000 plus other people. In addition to that, they had just been used by him to perform a miracle, taking just a few pieces of bread and a few small fish and just feeding 5,000 plus people with how many baskets left over? 12. How many disciples were they? 12. They all had a snack on this trip across the sea. Now, when we have what I call hallelujah experiences, we grow. I mean, they're edifying to us, and they are to me, you know? And when we read in Scripture how God has worked miraculously, I always think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Jesus walking around in that fire with them, and that fires me up because I know how awesome my God is, right? And so that's edifying. Let's be honest. Our greatest growth comes not on the mountaintop experiences, down in the valley. Down in the valley where the storms are, where the difficulties are, where at times we are stressed out, doubting, struggling, uh, hurting. Those are the times that we grow the most. And we don't like those times. We don't want those times. We're like the little eaglets, as you know, in the in eagle's nest. We're, we want to be comfortable, right? Now, y'all looking at me like, looking at deer looking in the headlights right now. We want to be comfortable. We want our, quote, relationship, Lord, to be comfortable. So we're like these little eaglets in this nest because it's warm and it's soft and all they have to do is three times a day open up their mouth and pew, they're fed and all is wonderful, Right? That's where we want to be. God knows that. So he allows the storms in our life just like that mother eagle comes in. You know how a mother eagle works. Stirs up that nest. Little eaglet gets on the edge because can't stay down there. It's too uncomfortable. And what she do? Knock them out. Just knock them off the ledge. And so we get this picture in our minds like, remember the roadrunner? You know, Here's the good news. You never hear this because the mother eagle always catches that little eaglet on her back, goes right back to the nest, lets it out on the edge, knocks them out again. And she'll keep doing that till that little eaglet learns to fly because she wants that eaglet to come to that point and can soar above the mountains. People ask me all the time in 41 years of passion, they'll come and say, I just don't know what God's doing in my life. And my answers are always the same. I, I say, well, first of all, I'm not God, so I can't tell you all the details in his providential work in your life, what purpose he has working, but I can tell you ultimately what he wants to achieve 
in you. And the scripture says this in Romans chapter 8 and, and in verse 29. Many of you, of course, know this verse by heart. He says, he says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Well, that's what he's ultimately doing in your life. That's the big picture. All the other things are details, him working providentially in your life, fulfilling the purposes he has so that he can reach that point to conform you to the image of his son. He's there to perfect your faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verses uh, one and two. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Therefore, since we also have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's uh, let's run ourselves of every, rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking, are you listening, say amen. Only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, of our faith. That's what it's doing. So you need to understand that Storms are reality of life. We live in a fallen world. Some of them are corrective storms out of God's love and his grace for us. So, but many of them are perfecting storms that he allows to perfect our faith, to grow us up in the image of his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we live every day under the grace of his providence and we live every day under the grace of his purposes. Andrew Murray said this, I wanna give this to you before I go any further. He said, God is willing to assume full responsibility. Don't miss this. God is willing to assume full responsibility for the life totally yielded to him. Fully, take full responsibility for everything, every storm and the details of every storm. Under the grace of his providence, under the grace of his purposes, under the grace of his prayers. Go back with me to John chapter six, our text. I'm gonna pick up in the middle of verse 17 and read through verse 18. Scripture says, it had already become dark and Jesus had not come to them. In addition, the sea began getting rough because a strong wind was blowing. Have you ever asked the question, Lord, where are you? I mean, I have, you know, I have personally, I have as a pastor, you know, Lord, where are you? I don't get it. I don't understand this. It makes no sense to me. Lord, where are you? And what are you doing? Here I am, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I'm brokenhearted, I'm doubting. I don't know which way to turn, which way to go. What am I gonna do in the middle of this storm? Where are you and what are you doing? Well, I can tell you that in this text, I'll tell you what he was doing. He was praying. He's praying. Can I give you some good news? 
you're on Jesus' prayer list. How about that? We have a church prayer list, right? We send it out and we go over it on Wednesdays and in different situations and we're praying for one another. Y'all been praying. We've had Kathy on the list and you've been praying for her. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep it up. Keep interceding. We trust the Lord our God. But now listen, the best prayer list to be on is Jesus' prayer list. <laughs> I mean, he was, what, look at this. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. We, we looked at verse 22 a moment ago. Look at this. 14 verse 23 says, after he sent the crowds away, after all that had taken, he sent them away, and he, sat in, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was even, he was there alone. Mark chapter six, I need to give this to you. Mark chapter six, verse 48 help you understand this whole thing. It says, seeing them, it talks about him, this is the same story. But Mark adds this in verse 48. While he's praying, it says, seeing them straining at the oars for the wind was against them. He had his eyes on them. They couldn't see him. We're talking about we're in the middle of the night now. In fact, we're going to find out that he comes to them in the darkest time of the night, between 3 and 6 a.m. They started off before the sun came down. So they've been out there about six, seven, eight hours rowing. It don't take that long to go across the Sea of Galilee. But they can't get anywhere because they're in the storm. But what is he doing? He's on the mountain, but his eyes are on him. I mentioned one of the names of God just a while ago by Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, our healer. But he's also known as El Roy, which is the God who sees. He sees everything. He sees the things we don't want him to see. <laughs> Do I have a witness on that? Oh, y'all don't act so spiritual this morning. There are things in our lives we wish the Lord could not see. He sees it. He knows every thought, right? But he knows why you're going to think what you're about to think. So, hey, accept it. <laughs> the most important thing, he sees you in the middle of your storm right now. He doesn't miss a in our lives because he is El Roy and he is praying. Look, I pray for all of you and when the special requests come and obviously praying for my wife and everyone and you're praying, but we pray with limited knowledge. Just be honest. And what we do know is about that much, maybe, except what we know of him. He's faithful. He cannot and will not lie. And he knows it all without question. 
So in Hebrews chapter seven, verse 25, I just seem to like to bring this out every time I can, <laughs> this verse. Hebrews seven, verse 25, talking about Jesus, our Jesus, our precious Lord. Therefore, he is also able to save forever those who come to God through him since he always lives, that is, he lives eternally to make intercession for them. So look, you're in a storm. You might get up in the morning. That storm just came around the corner. Know this. You are living every day as a child of God under the grace of his providence, under the grace of his purposes, under the grace of his prayers. Fourthly, under the grace of his presence of his presence. Look at this back in John chapter six. And just look at verse 19 again. Then when they had wrote about 25 or 30 stadia, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat and they were frightened. Now listen to me in his earthly ministry, taking on an earthly body. He was in one place as the God-man. He could only be in one place at a time. But that's not where he is now, is it? <laughs> he is sitting on the right hand of God the Father. That's the place of authority. And he himself declared that he had been given all authority in heaven and in the earth. So this is the guy that's interceding for you, but this is also the one who is wherever you are. You can never get out of the presence of God. Never. He's not just omniscient, but he's omnipresent. Then no matter where you go, even when you go to those places you know he would not want you to go, you're taking him in there with you. Don't forget that. But his presence. But here's the question. Why did he delay? Why did he wait? He's on the mountain. He knows the storm is coming. He's interceding for them. He sees it coming. The scripture says he sees them roaring with everything they've got because they're fearing for their life. They're afraid the water that, that is under them is gonna over, come over them, and yet he comes walking on top of that same water. <laughs> but why did he wait? Why does the Lord wait? One of the songs we lifted up talked about waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. We want him to act when? Right now? Right? But you know, right now may not be the best time for him to respond. God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no, wait. Most of the time it's wait <laughs> for you to get your yes. 
Now, for Peter went in this same story, which we're not looking at for today, but when he began to sink and he said, Lord, save me, his was like that. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, let me tell you, God is going to respond right on time, every time. Genesis chapter three, verse 15, in response to the fall, God prophesies he's sending a Messiah. 4,000 years later, he sends him. Would you call that a long wait? <laughs> call that a long wait, right? But the scripture says in Galatians 4, 4, that Christ came in the fullness of time, exactly when he needed to come. And that's the way he responds in our life. Think about this in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, there's three, Jesus loved everyone, but scripture says he particularly loved a man by the name of Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. So the scripture tells us in, in, uh, in chapter 11, verses three through five, that Mary and Martha send word to Jesus as Lazarus is sick, will you come? The indication is we need you to heal him. Jesus gets the message and he says, oh wait. Two days he waited. In fact, he waited until Lazarus died. Then in verse 15 of that chapter, it says this. It says, he said to the disciples, Lazarus has died and I am glad. Whoa, what do you mean? I am glad so you will believe. People will believe. So he could have gone and healed him, but instead he went and raised him from the dead. <laughs> now, why was this important at this time? He's on the road where? To Jerusalem. He's on his way to Calvary. He's on his way to the cross. He's going to go and lay his life down. He will die, but he has authority over death. And he already proved it by raising Lazarus from the dead. You see, it was better to raise him than to heal him. So here's what I want you to say. We've looked at four things. I'm gonna close with one more. We're under the grace of his providence. We're under the grace of his purposes. We're under the grace of his prayers. We're under the grace of his presence. And then lastly, we're under the grace of his power. His power. Jesus said to them in verse 20, I'm gonna read verses 20 and 21. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. So they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. It is I, it is I, do not be afraid, it is I. The Greek construction of that statement, and it's translated like that, I believe, in every translator. It is I. Mark, you double check that for me, okay? All right. Here's how it can also be translated I am. 
I am. You know the significance of that. I am Yahweh, the most sacred name of the most high God of heaven and earth. It is Yahweh. That is his covenant name. I am. And all through, particularly the gospel of John, John just keeps coming back to that. I am the light of the world. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the resurrection and the life. He is saying, I am the most high God is here. Do not be afraid. It's an incomplete sentence in a way. I am everything you need in the midst of the storm you're in. Everything you need. The omnipotent power, grace, goodness, graceness, awesomeness, God, I am for you everything you need in the midst of that storm. The great I am. So you see, storms are going to come. <laughs> no question about it. When you're not in one, oh, enjoy it to the fullest. But when they come, you can find peace in the midst of it by remembering you're under the grace of his providence. You're under the grace of his purposes. You're under the grace of his prayers. You're under the grace of his presence with you. And you're under the grace of his power to help you in the midst of the storm you're in. So here's what I want to do to close. I want everybody just bow your head, close your eyes in spirit of prayer. I know earlier in our worship, we opened up the altar, but I want to do it a little bit different right now. I want to do it this way. If you're in a storm, Define however that is in your life right now. I don't, I don't care how big or how small, whatever it is. And you want to know and experience the peace of God's faithfulness in your life. All these things we were looking at in his word today. And you want someone to pray over you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm going to ask you to do this. I don't care what the storm is, how you define it, but you want someone to stand in the gap. Jesus is praying for you, but we're called to intercessory prayer too. I just want you to stand up right where you are. Every head bowed, every eye closed, whatever it is, would you just stand up right where you are?